The Bible says, my king is the king of the Jews. He's the king of Israel. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder, do you know him? My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he beautifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's a key to knowledge. He's a well-trained of wisdom. He's a doorway of deliverance. He's a pathway of peace. He's a roadway of righteousness. He's a highway of holiness. He's a gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. And a yoke is easy, and a firm is lighter. I wish I could describe him for you. He's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. Well, you can't get him out of your mind. You can't, you can't get him off of your head. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. Well, the Pharisees couldn't stand him. But they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. Terror couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him. And the grave couldn't hold him. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. That's Jesus. That's our healer. That's our king. Amen. Praise God. You ready for healing school? Amen. Praise God. Amen. 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 Praise God. Amen. <clears throat> so I was thinking about the um, healing school today, and uh, I was thinking about the fact that we are born again. So we actually live twice. So the, this one is called You Only Live Twice. 
from the Bond series. <laughs> you know, you preach enough years, you got all kind of, you know what I'm saying. We, always, we already did, what did we do? Yeah, die another day. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> this is Bishop Bond. But anyway, praise God, you know, so. You know, I'm wondering if the Lord really helps me with this, you know, or if he's sitting by and just telling me what I said. But anyway, <laughs> you only live twice, okay? So we got to make the second one count, right? And so God has made a way for us to make life number two count. We have eternal life in this life. Our first life is for us, by us, because we don't know the Lord. We are all we know. And so with your first life, being a sinner... That first life is, is full of complications and problems. Sickness is a part of the first life. Your unsaved life, sickness is part of the curse of the broken law. So we have to put up with sickness. We have to go to doctors. We have to limit our ability to believe for a cure and for a miracle. And sometimes sickness is what leads us to call on God. And so <clears throat> anything that happens to you in the first life can be what we call a blessing in disguise. It's not really a blessing, but God can bring good out of it if it brings him to you. And so after you come to God, there is a second life for you. There's a life in God. And this is the one we want to talk about because that life is the life that God expects us to live. He has provided everything for us to live twice, the second life. In the first life, there is bondage, sin, and death. In the second life, the hallmarks are redemption from the curse of the law and a new life in Christ. So as you live your life in Christ, you don't have to be concerned about making mistakes, but we are. You don't have to be, but we are. Until we come into a peaceful relationship with God and, and a strong relationship with God, we're a little reluctant. And I think that's the unfortunate thing about Christianity sometimes. Now that we're redeemed, the Bible says we should do things boldly and confidently. That's part of faith. But many times we're reluctant, we hold back. But that's going to stop because I believe God has something for us internally that's going to give us a new confidence in him. It's going to give us a new a vision for what he has for us and we will go boldly and confidently through life and knowing that if we sin we have an advocate with the father see that's that's the clause you have to see when you find um, uh, scriptures like uh, if you sin you try to go in denial like you ain't gonna need that huh but And so what happens sometimes, we'll see words like that that cause some kind of internal reaction in us. And instead of reading it, because the Bible says all scripture is profitable. It's written by God. It's, it's going it's to do you good, all of it. But you've got to read it and got to believe it, and then you've got to act on it. And so that's our get-out-of-jail-free card, really. You know, if you sin, you have an advocate with the Father. An advocate is a lawyer, and a lawyer can get you out of jail free. So we all need one. We need somebody to speak of our true character to go to bat. That's what a lawyer does. He pleads your case. 
you know, he'll say, well, well, you know, uh, Mr. Judge, your ornery, sir. I know this person. <laughs> I know they look like a, a malefactor and a horrible perpetrator. But this boy is actually a, a good Christian boy. In fact, here's his pastor that came to, to court to speak on his behalf, you know, or his priest. He'd been an altar boy all his life. And it's his first brush with the law. And to be honest with you, he fell into the hands of some desperados, the, just the wrong company. He fell into the, the hands of some evil people. And if you let him off this time, you understand? So we have an advocate in Jesus who can say that I paid for your lawyer on earth ain't going to pay for nothing. In fact, he's going to go get your mama and tell her to bring that mortgage out. Oh, y'all still owe on it? How much you got? You know, what kind of equity you got in your house? Put that up. You understand what I'm saying? A granny got some gold in it. She got a gold grill. Go get granny, granny's gold grill and tell her to put it in the, yeah, tell, take it to the pawn shop. But see, your advocate in heaven has on him stripes. Yeah. And see, in the court of heaven, the stripes mean it's paid for. Amen. It's paid for. Now, we don't go around, you know, sinning just to sin. You know, sometimes I think if we could see what the enemy has got stacked up for us, you know, before you get up in the morning. He's already got at least seven or eight plots to stop you and hinder you. That's right. It's called warfare. You know, those terms on in the Bible, that's not something that you have a seminar about. Warfare is your everyday life. That's how you live every day. Amen. You know, I see all these people wanting to be apostles all of a sudden. It's, uh, you know, and, and the, the, the definition, you know, of the term apostle means apostolic authority as it pertains to warfare so there's warfare implied in in the the office of the apostle you can't you can't get anything done for god if you're the first one he sends out he's ain't not sending you to somebody's church that's already got carpet and already got people and all like it's no church it's no nothing and you got to stand there and declare and pray and sweat until something shows up. You understand me? And you're going to have to fight some things to get that accomplished. Huh? You know, we can't even now, we pay rent on this, this building, but we can't even come in here and have a decent meeting without fighting the devil for the atmosphere. So come on, y'all. This is, this is the way it is. This, it's not the Christian life isn't just something where we sit up and expect good things to happen, even in our Amos 9.13 season. You know, there's, there's open doors, like the, uh, um, the uh, author said, Tim Hill was saying. He said, people say this phrase, when God closes one door, he opens another. He said, but there's hell in the hallway. And that's scriptural. The Bible says that a great door of opportunity is open to us, but around it are many adversaries. There are adversaries at the door. You just don't go strolling in. You know, when people say, I'm praying for an open door, I say, really? <laughs> huh? <laughs> you really want that? Huh? It's wonderful, the thought of it. It's wonderful, but getting in it, huh? It's going to take power, determination, faith, anointing, everything that you can muster. So if knowing this, 
Jesus has made an opportunity for us to stay in the game and not be disqualified because of sin. You sin, you have an advocate with the Father if you're repentant. Now, there are people that, that like they mess. You know, I ain't going to go to empire again, but you know what I'm saying. People like, <laughs> people like mess. And so we need to understand that God has made a way for us to be delivered even from the desire of certain things so that we can walk in holiness, we can walk in, in communion and fellowship with the Lord at all times and then begin to take on his essence, take on his character, take on his true nature. And a package of that is absence of disease. He plans no disease for us. It's not in his, his repertoire for us. It's not in his vocabulary for us. It's not in his promise to us. No disease. And so he's made the provision for us to be obedient. And he expects that we expect him to come through with what he's promised us. In the Christ life, this new life is God's original design and plan for you. So where we're at now is God's original design and plan for you. Now, I know some of us think more of what he's done than others. Some of us, you know, there are days when things are not happening fast enough. You're not getting enough of this and you're not getting enough of that. But right where you are is pretty much where God has ordained for you to be. Now, I know we have vision inside of us and we have our spirits are stretching on the inside and desiring to gain and, and to take on more and to do more in God. But, but don't get discouraged and don't get upset with yourself because it's not going at the speed that you want it to go. Because it's speeding up now, it's going to go at the speed of favor. And so you're going to find that you can almost barely keep up sometimes with the things that God is doing, but he gives you strength, he gives you endurance, he gives you opportunity. I know when we have these meetings, the, the average, we, most of us only sleep about three or four hours a night. <laughs> We're running around. It's not because we don't have nothing to do all night. We play cards and, you know, come to Pastor Bob's room, $2 minimum. You know what I'm saying? This is, hello. I, I said that for our friends from Las Vegas. Huh? <laughs> I know y'all don't even go in them places, do you? But when I come and preach for y'all, I don't want my, my money, my offering in chips. I want my <laughs> Thank you. Uh, amen. I, I was going to say, because if I get some chips, I might go, and I won't be passed to nobody when y'all see me next, huh? All right. Oh, yeah, sure. Until <laughs> I get to Vegas. <laughs> Woo! The uh, nieces and nephews tried to get me and Pastor Shirley to go, and I told them, I said, <laughs> so really, you want me to go back to that place? Please. I said, you know what, I'll cash in something and be a high roller. I said, y'all get my suite ready. Uh, get my And don't call me Reverend Pat. I ain't nobody. But you don't even call me auntie. You don't have to call me. Just come pick me up when it's time to jet out of here. Anyhow. But anyway. So I need an advocate. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Bless you over there. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Praise God. It takes a will to obey God's plan for you. Amen. 
You've got to have a will to obey God to live this second life fully. It's a life that is the original life that God has for us, and we said that. The process by which God allows us to live this second life is called redemption. There's a scripture in, I think it's in the book of Deuteronomy, that where God said that he had given Israel the land to possess. And he said that he, they weren't to go into the land and just take all of it at one time. But he said little by little that land would be claimed and would be redeemed, little by little. And so that means that we have to have patience with ourselves in some things. Sometimes there are long-standing things that uh, we just would like to get over, we would like to get them done, so forth and so on. But God has a purpose to us being able to, to live this life and receive what he has for us little by little. He doesn't give us everything all in one shot, even though I think there are people that would make you think that. But there's enough evidence to let us know that we are prospering and we are in health even as our souls prosper. And so your soul has to take on the nature of Christ. You have the mind of Christ, but you don't have access to it at all times, and you don't have access in the full measure that it is in the Lord. And so little by little, as you renew your mind in the word, as you yield to the things that God has us yield to, part of this is endurance, enduring the things that are, are distasteful in our lives, enduring seasons in our lives that may seem to be prolonged, may seem to go on an extended uh, stay in our lives. All of these things Jesus endured. The Bible says he learned obedience through the things he suffered. He learned obedience. Once he came down here and was packaged in an earth suit, he had to learn how to obey the Father. Think about it. You lived in, in a place where the... The streets were paved with gold. Everybody worshipped you. And then all of a sudden you find yourself down here as a human. And so the Bible says when he found himself in the fashion of a man, he humbled himself. He said, I know how to make it through this life. He said, I got to connect with the Father. I got to stay humble to the Father. And it's the same thing for us. If we're going to make it through this redeemed life, we've got to bow to the Father, stay humble to the Father. And, and through the things that we suffer, we learn obedience. There are some things that you can't change. There are always going to be things that you can't change. We may want them to change, but maybe that's not God's best for us. Sometimes he wants us to change us to be more like Christ so that we can endure and love especially if there are people involved in the things. We always want to change people. Huh? We still got a little witchcraft in us. You understand what I'm saying? We th still think people are our problem. You know, if he would just do this and just, I used to say that about my husband all the time. I, you know, I go to, to uh, the grocery store. I say, ah, he being all tight and stuff. That was, my, that was his middle name. <laughs> Aubrey Tight Williams, you know. And so <laughs> I used to, you know, I, I got a million jokes, but I'm bump about, you know, when he come home, you know, he looking for a hug and I say, assume the position. <laughs> the pat and the frisk when they come in the door. Come on, y'all. Pat and frisk the brother, see what they got. Huh? <laughs> it was done in love, <laughs> but I'm bump. But anyway. <laughs> Anywho, but since he's been gone, I'm very thankful that he didn't let me frisk him out of 
because now I have to live off of what he left me. So here I'm, you know, I got it in, but I ain't frisking myself to spend it all immediately. So, so I appreciate those things, but those are things you have to endure. When you're living here and you have relationship with other people, you have to learn to love. You have to learn to stretch yourself out into the love of God. And so we learn obedience just like Christ did by the things that we allow because we have no power to change them. You have no power. And God didn't promise you that people had to change so that you like them better. Because sometimes when we get that kind of power over people, it goes to our heads. You know, we don't like them any better. We like them less. So it's a process of redemption. We have been redeemed from the contrary part of the law, the curse. You don't have to worry about sickness coming upon you for disobedience. You have to, don't have to be concerned about deserving sickness. You do not deserve sickness. Amen. You do not deserve sickness. You know, there's a lot of talk going on now. <clears throat> now that medical people are doing research, they want to be able to predict from your lifestyle if you're going to get sick. Mm -hmm. So they say, uh, you know, the first thing they do is say obesity leads to, you know, a myriad of things. The list goes longer and longer and longer and longer and longer. Some of the things that they don't understand, they'll just blame it, amen, on certain factors. You notice they don't say much about sexual misconduct and promiscuity being the factor in a lot of illness. There's a lot of illness that people know is, is or suspect is a result of abortion that they don't say anything about. They, they're people who are working in the pro-life movement who do research and they say abortion is very much linked to breast cancer. Huh? Terminating a pregnancy when all of those changes have happened in a woman's body, part of it is the increased lactation. And so when that's abruptly interrupted, what happens to that process is destroyed. And so they see an incidence of increased blood, uh, um, uh, breast cancer and also heart disease in women. And so they'll never tell you the truth anyway. That's my point. They won't tell you the truth. And they don't have your life. They don't understand our life as believers. We live a supernatural life by the power of God. Every day you get up is a miracle. Huh? Every day that you breathe breath is a miracle. Because the miracle worker has gotten you up that day. The miracle worker is supernaturally guiding your steps. He's leading you into all truth. He's leading you around the, the landmines that the enemy has put down there for you. The, uh, what do they call them in Iraq? The IEDs or something like that? What do they call them? They're, they're in, uh, devices that are, that are explosive that they plant in the desert. And the desert's nothing but sand. Once that sand's covered up, you can't tell anything that's under there. And so they'll step on those and they'll explode and they'll maim and they'll kill people. Well, that's what the devil has set for us every day. There's destructive forces that are there for us. You know, there, I can't tell you how many people, and I know this is happening to a lot of you, probably all of you. You ever leave the house 
You couldn't find your keys. You fumbled around and, and diddled and diddled and wasted 20 minutes getting out of the house. And you get down to the corner where you're getting ready to cross and there's an accident there. Amen. It's two cars banged up. Could have been yours except the Holy Spirit wrestled you for them keys. You understand what I'm saying? And so these are things that we need to understand. You have been redeemed. You have been purchased. You have divine life in you, and that divine life is precious. God wants to protect that. He's highly invested in us, folks. We are the pearl of great price. That's us. We are highly valued by God. And so when you value an investment, then you have to protect it. You do everything you can to protect it. People in the, in the world do that stuff. My, uh, my late husband worked for the president of his company, and so they would have to travel together. Every, he was, they called him, the, I forget what he was called, staff, staff something. And so that meant, it's kind of like we would say an armor bearer in our, you know, that went everywhere with them and accompanied them. Anything they needed, they would assist them with it. And so they would do things like uh, put him on a plane and the vice president never went on the same plane. Why? They were highly invested in these people. And if the plane fell, you know, well, they didn't get two of them. You know, that's what people in the world do. You know, but they, you know there's high value in these people because they're highly invested in them. They would have planes wait for them, you know, burning fuel, whatever it did, because they were highly invested in these people. Well, God does the same thing for us. He's highly invested in us, highly invested. We're very valuable to him. When I went to, I went to Pennsylvania to uh, uh, Pastor Grant's church and, and ministered there, and we, we had a wonderful time. It was just I didn't have that much time because it was a Thursday, I think, and we had Thursday, Friday, had to come out of, out of uh, Pennsylvania on Friday because we had an empowerment meeting. And you all know me, I usually don't do anything, but you walk around the house and stare at the ceiling empowerment. We are going to make sure everybody gets there. There's a lot to do, but I really felt that God told me to go there, and he told me he would get me back home in time for the meeting. And so we, um, we ministered until the very last minute to go. And so the person that took me to the airport got a little turned around because he wasn't familiar with the area and we lost probably about 10 minutes well when we got to the airport the gate was closed and so the uh, uh, the steward there at the desk called back to the gate and asked them uh, if they would wait for me and the lady said no we're scheduled to take off and you know we don't have time for that and so I just stood there and I I told him I said well I've got to get out of town and that's all I said and so they started to see if there were other flights going out, not until 10 o'clock. What am I going to do in this little airport for four hours, you know? Hit the vending machines, you know, but take my quarters. And, and so I just stood there, but I told them I had to get out of town. They called back, and the lady at the gate said, there's something wrong with the plane. It can't take off yet because of it's a service delay is what they said amen and so the the attendant asked her again well can i let this lady get on she wants to get home she said okay huh okay and so when i went back to the gate they haven't hadn't even put one person on the plane and so they called my row and i kimbled right on up there in the front <laughs> got on my seat 
got my row A, row one, seat A, whatever I was in. And so I was on there. Why? Because God highly values me. He highly values you. That's why he gives us his promises. We are highly, highly valued to God. He made a promise to me that if I would go and do what he told me to do, he would get me back in time for my meeting, and I got back home in time for my meeting, and we didn't miss anything. Amen? Praise God. Amen. He didn't want to dump the whole meeting on Pastor Shirley for the, <laughs> to do my job for the day. So she looks forward to being able to rest, you know, on those weekends so that she can, you know, listen and not have to preach all the time. So everything's in peace, intact, nothing missing, nothing broken because we're highly valuable to God. So that's why the curse of the law is broken. God does not want us to labor under the curse of the law. It would make it too difficult for us to move forward. God has so much confidence in what he has done in us. He wants that part of our lives to be free to live. If you're laboring under sickness, you're laboring under uh, the devil's power and, and demons tormenting you and all that kind of stuff, you can't be of very much use for God. And then what did the atonement do? It did a partial job because we don't live a satisfactory life if we have these problems to contend with all the time. Going to doctors not only takes your time, it takes your money. You've got triple warfare to fight because of what they tell you. You know, it, it's... I mean, I worked in hospitals for years before I was saved, and I didn't like them then. And I definitely don't like them now. I've done some of the, the most joyful things I've done since I've been saved. I've done in hospitals. Amen? Because God is able to, to take us into these places now in his authority and in his glory. And we don't have to go in as victims or patients or whatever you want to call it. We, we can go in in confidence knowing that God has a remedy for people who are crying out to him who are even in these situations. So God has redeemed us from the curse of the broken law. And that includes sickness. That includes poverty. That includes death and hell. I mean, we will, and if Jesus tarries, we'll all leave this life the same way. We have to die to get out of here. But it can be a death that, that he prescribes for us. You don't have to get sick and die. You can just step over. Huh? You can step over. That's what I am praying that God has planned for me, and I think he honors those those prayers he hasn't planned sickness for me so i plan to step over i don't plan to deteriorate i plan to step over amen and so this is the thing that we know about god he has redeemed us from the curse of the law he doesn't want us to be burdened with the 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 uh penalty of sin this is a no penalty covenant there's no penalty here you repent you're washed you cleansed of all unrighteousness, and you move on as a righteous person. There should be no sin hangover. You understand what I'm saying in your head? When you, when you know the power of the blood and that's been a, applied to your life, there's no hangover from what you did. If, if that happens to you, you can let that go in the name of Jesus and tell the devil you're not taking those thoughts anymore. You're not going to sit up and, and, and beat yourself up because of things that you have done that God's already paid for, he's forgiven you for. 
And stay in that place in God until you experience freedom and forgiveness. Don't assume you're forgiven and then you carry the burden of the weight and of your sin. That's a penalty in itself. Bad memories are a terrible penalty. But God has washed our, our memories clean with his blood. He's even taken away, you know, uh, bad memories and beating yourself up. I wish I'd never done that. Well, he's got the next best thing. In fact, the better thing. He's got forgiveness for you. And if you wish you'd never done it, keep living and he'll help you not do it anymore. If that's really your goal, he'll help you. That's what true repentance is. It's a going forward without doing the same things over and over and over again, but doing it in the power of God. There are some things that God will spare you from totally. You know, there are people that I know most of you have experienced this when you were first saved. There were people you didn't want to run into. Huh? Some of them dope heads used to hang out with and crackheads, customers. <laughs> Amen. I know that's right, relatives, the in-laws and the outlaws, you know. And so in God honored that for many of you. There are people that you didn't even realize were removed from your life. You never ran because they were too great of a temptation, too great of a draw for somebody who's a young Christian. So God even ordered your steps back then. And he'll continue to do it now because he wants us to live free for him. This is a totally new life. Your second life is a totally new life. You're a new species. There's nobody like us that's ever lived before. Nobody like you. You haven't been here before. That's why you don't have any kind of uh, uh, history. You don't have a rap sheet. You don't have a fingerprints down there. You know, all that kind of stuff. You, that's all been erased. You have an expunged record in heaven. There's no past. There's nothing that the devil can, can hinder you with. Don't be afraid of, uh, you know, these things. People say, well, you know, I got a prison record. Really? <laughs> really? You need to talk to the Lord about that because as far as I know, when you're redeemed, you're redeemed from every spot, wrinkle, penalty, anything that speaks of the curse of the law. You don't have a history and a past like that. All you have is a now and a future. So consider you're now the first step in your new life. Amen? And let God take it over and let him do what he needs to do. So we're going to talk about uh, healing as in, in the atonement as part of your new life. God expects you to be healed. That's his expectation. And if we can walk in his expectation, then we will experience divine health and healing. The Bible says he writes our law, his law, on our hearts so we can live for him. So you meditate on the word that's written on your heart and it guides you every day of your life. In your first life, you're subject to the curse, which includes sickness, but redemption is a purchase. You have been purchased out of that power. There's a price that's been paid for you. People who are slaves understand that they can be free if a price is paid, and many of them are discouraged because they'll never be able to afford that price. And so we were bought with a price that we could never pay. Once you're born in sin and shaped in iniquity, the price for your redemption is sinless blood, and you can't provide that, and I can't provide that. 
So we look for a kinsman redeemer. We look for somebody who uh, understands us, walks like us, talks like us, who's a near kinsman who is invested in our future, who can be family to us, closer than a brother. Why you need a near kinsman? You need a minister. Huh? You need somebody who can understand what you need and buy it for you. I'm going to say it again. You need somebody who understands what you need and buy it for you. Huh? You know, at Christmas, the, the ministry takes a love offering from me and Pastor Shirley, and they'll, we'll give them our want list, you know, things that we, we would like to have for Christmas. Amen. So, you know, bling ain't on there because it ain't coming in. You take all them, <laughs> them designer names, and Michael Kors, you fired, he fired. Ain't getting him. But, you know, we can, put, we can put certain kinds of things on there. I'm just messing with y'all, but, but we ain't getting that for real. But, um, but when, when we would first do it, some of the, the ladies would try and purchase what we liked and, you know, couldn't figure it out. So they give mine to Pastor Shirley and hers to me. We're near kin sisters. So if anybody gets mad at anybody and pull their hair out, it'd be me and her. It won't be everybody, you know what I'm saying. But that's the, that's the value that you have as a relative. See, Jesus being our near kinsman, he came wrapped in human flesh. He knows what it's like to be hungry, thirsty, have women at the well hitting on him. I'm just trying to see who's awake still around here, y'all. Huh? See, the well was where you met, met the ladies. That's where the ladies' men hung out at. Oh, yeah. You know, the girls would come, and they would draw water for the family, and then the guys would be sitting at the well like this. You need some help? Well, that's how Moses met his wife. They, they said, Moses, can you pick this up? Yeah, baby, you got another one? <laughs> you did it with one hair. Or they do it with one finger. What else you need? Hmm. Good girls usually hung out at the well. Well, sure, because they were under their dad's authority. They were doing chores for the house. But when Jesus went to the well, he met another kind of woman. Now, hoes hang around at the well, too. <laughs> just saying, okay, just saying. I ain't talking about nobody here, but just saying. Because that's what she was. Huh? So she probably asked Jesus, you know, could you draw some water for me? He said, go tell your husband to get it. I perceive that thou art a prophet. <laughs> That's all she could say. Huh? Says, back away, girl. Back away. Back away. Drop it. Don't, don't nobody move. Won't nobody get hurt. <laughs> Amen. And so, y'all didn't read that? Nobody act like this is that. Y'all, my Bible is real interesting if you really read it. Huh? But that's why he told her, go get her husband. In other words, I ain't up for, I ain't the one. 
Huh? He said, I got a bride I'm already betrothed to. Jesus wasn't single. He was spoken for by us. Huh? He was already taken. Selah. Okay, I can't, can't stand up here and tell y'all that again. So you, uh, Just dwell on it for a minute. You'll get it. From the foundation of the earth, he was committed to us. He wasn't, he wasn't you know, looking for no wife. Certainly not one with husbands. He was going to be husband number seven. Are you kidding me? <laughs> y'all don't mess with me, okay? I ain't got time to stop there and tell y'all about that. Amen. So there is a set price for everything. Set price. There's a set price of redemption. And Jesus, our near kinsman redeemer, paid that set price. Amen. The price was a life for a life. That's where a covenant works. A life for a life. Jesus paid with his life that we could have eternal life. So he paid the ultimate price. And that price was paid in full. There's no down payment. There's nothing due. Which means that when you need something from God, all you have to do is believe. Not believe and add to anything. People sell things like, well, I'm believing, but I'm taking my vitamins. Or I'm believing, but I'm, you know, which one are you depending on? Now, I'm not against people uh, using something, especially if your symptoms are severe. You know, if you're in pain, take pain medicine, but speak to that pain too. In fact, I think I would speak to the pain first because often you find that it will leave, huh? And you put the medicine someplace else. I remember when when I was first saved, God was healing me from a nervous breakdown. (laughs) When yesterday, who said that? Y'all ought to quit over there. (laughs) I know. It's been over 30 years ago. (laughs) But anyway, I remember taking uh, Valium. And I kept it on a little shelf in my den and and so i remember thinking now this was my thing i had panic attacks so i would take them before i would have to go out and you know i could only go so far in your mind you see yourself get in the car turn on the key get a little nervous but put on the gas pull out keep going keep going keep going when i went to take my pill i got anxious about thinking about getting in a car and i went to put the pill in my mouth and dropped it on the floor and I calmed down. Well, I'm in the word all the time, believing God for healing, but still dependent on that to calm me down. When I, that pill dropped on the floor and I calmed down, I said, wait a minute, wait a minute, hold it, cancel Christmas, we got to get this figured out. And I realized that God mercifully had healed me even though I was dependent upon. So your dependency will not stop him from healing you if you're pursuing healing. Now, if you're content in dependency and you're not pursuing healing, you will be dependent. I wanted off pills like nothing else. You know, I was taking, and, and I would take pills sometimes, and this is the way this stuff works. Uh, the mood-altering 
drugs. I was taking a pill for antidepressant, and then that didn't do everything, so you'd take a tranquilizer. And there were times when, when I would have periods where the medication seemed to be doping me up too much. And I learned later from some people who uh, ministered in deliverance and, and uh, understood those things. And they said, well, that's typical. They said, because demons are not allowed by God to make fully attack your life all of the time consistently. He said, so God commands them to retreat from your life at certain times. And if you're still taking the medicine and they have retreated, that means that they're not causing the turmoil in your life that they've been causing, and you, have, you are really healed at that time, but you don't feel like it because you're in the habit of taking the medicine all the time. And so I found that if I would listen to God instead of listening to my doctor about everything, because they're used to getting people who are dependent and don't have God to do anything for them. But God was freeing me up from this stuff by showing me. He said, if you'll just depend on me, he said, I'll make them leave you alone permanently. He said, in my mercy, I command them to let you go so that you can rest and you don't have the onslaught of them all the time. The root of my depression was unforgiveness. I'm going to tell you that right now to kill you. It'll kill you, it'll sap the life out of you, and it'll take everything that you have. These little petty offenses we get into, they did this to me, they did that to me, all that. I don't live like that anymore. I had to get rid of that in order to get healed and got off medication. So I don't play around with the devil like that no more. It's too expensive. So Jesus has redeemed us. We live a redeemed life. He's paid full price. We're purchased and we're brand new. There has been a ransom dropped for us, and we have been set free. Matthew uh, 27, if you'll turn there, I want to show you something in the Word about your ransom and my ransom. Matthew 27, I think it's down here in verse 50. This is Jesus on the cross, and <clears throat> he cries out. Now from the sixth hour to there was darkness, verse 45, all over the land until the ninth hour. The lights were out. That's the creation receiving the creator. Huh? And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out to say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of them that stood there when they heard that said, this man is calling Elijah. And straight away, one of them ran, took a sponge filled with vinegar and put it on a reed, gave him to drink. The rest said, let him be. Let us see whether Elijah will come and save him. Still mocking. You got me? Just shows you how sin makes you stupid and ignorant. And he said, <clears throat> Jesus said, when he had cried with a loud voice and yielded up the ghost, behold, the veil, when he yielded up, the ghost when he gave up his life the ransom was dropped so the drop was made when he gave up the ghost and then what happened our freedom came immediately and it says behold the veil of the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom supernatural the earth did quake and the rock shook graves were open 
all those souls who have been ransomed and captive in the grave for all of those years who died in faith in God, who died under the covenant that they had at that time with God, were let out of the grave. So the ransom drop was made and the prisoner was set free immediately, immediately. That never happens. You see these stories about people get kidnapped and the, the, the worst thing in the world that, that the kidnapper wants to do is let go of the kidnapped person. They want to hold on to them until they get the ransom and get away with it. And so the drop is seldom simultaneous. When God tells you the price, there's a certain price for your redemption, and that price is paid, he immediately releases you out of jail. So we got our deliverance from demon possession on day one that we were born again. We got our deliverance from sickness on day one that we were born again. We got our deliverance from poverty and lack and worry and fear on day one that we were born again. And anything the devil puts on us after that is double jeopardy. He's trespassing. He has no right to put sickness on you. I don't care how many Twinkies you eat and how many people in your family got cancer and diabetes. He has no right to put it on you. You've been adopted by God into a new family, a healed family, supernaturally empowered family. Well, Barb, why am I sick? You ain't sick. I just told you you're not sick. You're redeemed from the curse of sickness. You know, I used to say, well, you know, you just have symptoms. I've curse them now you know because after a while you start putting up with symptoms as though that's to be tolerated none of it's to be tolerated because the ransom's been paid the drops been made the graves are open everybody's free so let's go with them people that popped out of them graves and walked around the streets of jerusalem huh could you imagine such a thing people that you didn't like is sitting at your dinner table now you know, you was at the funeral. Thank you very much. That's the nicest thing that ever did. Remember that in Oliver Twist? When Scrooge died, they danced on his coffin. See, there's <laughs> and people you danced on their coffin when they died. They back in your house and I'm looking at you now. I didn't know you died saved. Yes, I was saved. You didn't like me and I didn't act like it sometime, but I got in. And I'm sitting there looking at you now. I'm redeemed. The price has been paid for me. It's the truth. So we're redeemed first. Then Jesus has the ministry of the high priest. This is a wonderful thing. You're redeemed. You get him to help you to walk in the power of that redemption. You have a great high priest in the heavens who shed his own he took his own blood and put it on the mercy seat so everything that's ministered for you is ministered over that mercy seat there is no seat of condemnation there is no seat of accusation there is no seat of blame there is no seat of the curse there's just mercy that gets ministered over your life 
Mercy keeps you in the game. Mercy doesn't disqualify you because you ate too much and you got overweight and give you diabetes because you deserve it. You don't deserve You deserve mercy. Are you kidding me? He paid the price for you to have mercy. Don't you let the, the world put their curse on you. People in the world, all the scientists doing the research are cursed people. That's all they can think is what's wrong? What, is, what causes this? And they still don't come up with the right answer. Sin causes it. But they never counsel people to get out of sin. Huh? Safe sex. That's all they ever tell them. Do it, but do it uh, so it won't hurt you and we'll give you this. You still go, what the wages of sin is still death. I mean, come on now. You can be safe in everything. So you think. But the wages of sin is still death. It'll still kill you. Huh? You have a high priest, man, that sits there with mercy. He looks at everything that concerns you in mercy. Huh? Even things that, that you want to stop. Huh? The stuff that you do. And you say, damn, here I'm doing that again. I can't believe it messed up beat yourself up quit beating yourself up and talk to your ad go talk to your lawyer just lawyer up amen just lawyer up and say you know what jesus <laughs> here i am again some people is professional perpetrators now now and jesus even takes care of us professional perpetrators huh Always looking for the perfect diet. Four days off, three days, well, two days on. What happened to the seventh day? I go to church on that. <laughs> and we have roast chicken instead of fried chicken this time. You know how that goes. Come on now. But you have an advocate. Somebody who goes to bat for you. Somebody who lived in that earth body and knows it's tough down there in that bad boy. Huh? It's subject to pain. It's subject to intimidation. It's subject to fear. It's subject to, to uh, all kinds of deterioration. Amen? I'm believing for renewed everything. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Supernatural Botox. You ever get it? I'm the first candidate. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, it's just, it's available for me. I'm redeemed from the curse of whatever you know, age and time would bring to me, I'm redeemed for him, from it. So Jesus has this ministry, amen. He has this ministry for us. He's our great high priest. He, he ministers in the holy place in heaven with his, put his own blood, own blood, his own blood. See, he paid that price for you personally. So when you show up in the throne room of heaven, he's not mad because you showed up there. Huh? See, sometimes when we pay for stuff for people, we feel like they don't appreciate it. You know what I'm saying. Everybody's been there. He never feels that way about us. He said, I'm just thankful you came. I'm just glad you believe me. I'm just glad you came. You trust me with this. I'm glad you showed up to let me help you with this because I have help for you. See, we'll never get the help if we don't lawyer up. You never show up in the throne room. You won't get his help. And time and time again, 
the times we need to run the fastest to him is the time we avoid him the most. We want to go to him when we done done everything right. Well, you'll never get there. Huh? You'll never get there. Huh? He said, I didn't come for self-righteous people. I came for people like you that need me. Huh? That know you need me. And you need me every day. You need me all the time. You need me to take away sickness. You need me to take away symptoms. You know, need me to give you a strategy for how to stay healed and not fall into sickness anymore. So he has redeemed us with his own blood. We have no defense but the blood. Amen. You don't need another one. You don't need to tell people you've been juicing. I've seen y'all little juices on Facebook. Huh? You throw that green stuff in there for punishment. You know you don't want nothing but that fruit and that sugar in that fruit and all that stuff. Huh? And they hey, this one has kale in it. That's for punishment. Huh? Y'all don't like that stuff. And you drink so much of it. You get all them calories. I'm sitting there. I was, I was a calorie counter from way back. You know, you I had to do it when I was younger, you know. Still shouldn't do it. <laughs> what happened? I don't know. I got my lawyer. Huh? Whatever. But, <laughs> you know, after a while, I get sick of that stuff. But anyway, you know, I was sitting there counting. I said, well, an apple is 75 calories and grapes is this. and It's a lot. It's, that puppy is full of. And you throw the kale in there to make you think you're punishing yourself for eating all that fried food going through the drive-thru. Just go to your lawyer. Just lawyer up. Jesus, help me. Huh? Jesus, help me. Huh? And sometimes that's the last thing on his agenda. He said, first of all, I want you to quit condemning yourself. Listening to TV and looking at skinny people and condemning yourself. I want you to stop that. Huh? I want you to stop that. I didn't plan that for you. He says, you're prettier on the inside anyway. He said, I'm for working on your insides, huh? Think about that outside. This tent we live in, huh, is perishing every day. It's dust. We'll go back to dust, huh? You know, let's get real here, folks. Let's focus. Let him focus on the things that are eternally important to us, eternally important. His blood, because it's on the mercy seat, it speaks mercy. It speaks redemption. So he enters a plea for us of redeemed, bought back, has no power over us anymore. So we are redeemed from the curse of the law. Hebrews chapter 6, I want you to look at that and let you know that God has sealed this thing with the highest power in the universe. You, you can't get any. Don't go, to, don't go to God and then go someplace else for help with what God wants to do for you. You go to God and get his answer. You don't need God in juicing. You don't need God in, in vitamin pills. You don't need God in this and God in that. You just get what God has for you. He, the anointing is sufficient for everything. Amen. It's sufficient for everything. Brother Hagen, when he was alive, they would ask him, well, what do you take? People keep, kept trying to pick at him to get him to come down from his position of divine health. That's all it is. When people keep asking you the same stupid question over and over again, they ask him, well, what do you take when, when you don't feel good? He said, I take what I preach. 
I take what I preach. I preach the word of God. I take the word of God. Hebrews 6, it says in verse 13, it says, When God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. He swore it all by himself to himself. So God made a promise to himself about you. That he would not put sickness on you. There is no penalty for the broken law once you're redeemed. So God swore to himself that he would keep his word to himself about you. That's why we can say God is a faithful creator. He's keeping his word to himself more than he's keeping it to us. Now he's keeping it to us, but he's sworn to himself that he would take his own life and cease to exist if he would ever put sickness on his redeemed people again. He's not putting sickness on you. He's not putting symptoms on you. He's not allowing this and allowing that and one day it's going to be this and one day it's going to be that. It's that now. You're redeemed now. The ransom's been paid. The drop was made, folks. The folks are out of the graves walking around. And what are we doing still sick? There's no reason for it. There's no purpose for it. What purpose could sickness play in your life? Huh? It slows you down. It limits you. You can't get up and do what you normally want to do. You can't get around. You can't, you're not comfortable. You can't make a commitment to anything because of your limitations. It does you no good whatsoever. And God is not the author of it for you. Huh? He says, if you did in Exodus 15, he says, if you diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God. In other words, he said, listen to me. Don't listen to the TV. Don't listen to the, the doctors who are only limited to your natural man. You've got supernatural life in you. That word is medicine, man. What starts working in your body, that medicine of the word will take care of everything. Every single thing. Well, I felt my, <laughs> my knee swole up. It looked like a, a little old man's head laying in the bed beside me. I said, where did he come from? I mean, it was huge. And I thought I was winting. I thought I'd get up and, and I was going my way to the gym where they don't judge you. It's another joke. You understand? I mean, it's just all these, all these fake things, you know, people are judging me. All this nonsense. Just another burden to put on your head. And I went anyway. And see, this is, this is what I'm telling you this because I failed to do something I preach you should do, and that's lawyer up. I should have, when I hit that concrete, I should have gone to my lawyer first instead of assuming that I could confess the word and I could stand on the word and keep going like I usually would winting. This was a biggie. And so I didn't lawyer up. And that thing swelled up. And so I eventually had to lawyer up. And then I had to get my healing in increments. What could I believe God for at this step? And then go the next step and then the next step and the next step. Because it was huge. But I never, it never occurred to me to go to the doctor. Never. It swelled. I could barely move it. I said, God, can you get it to where I can move it by tomorrow? And I went to sleep. And I moved it the next day. God, can, I, can you get me to the conference? Because it was about this time a couple of years ago. Get me to the conference. 
and at that time, Tone had his truck, I mean, his bus, and, you know, we would pull the equipment on his bus. And, and so I saw myself getting on that bus and not in the van. The van would have killed me for three hours, you know, and in pain. And so I said, can you get it to where I can get on the bus and I can get there? And that's when y'all played Ironside when I was coming in with that cane. I threw the cane away. I said, yeah, they ain't right, God. Hit me again. Let me have a little bit more because they ain't right. They ain't treating me right. Huh? Y'all do me wrong. And so <laughs> you know, with your motorized <laughs> wheelchair and all that stuff, that ain't right. Huh? I'll get mad and get healed. Huh? It's happened to me. I got mad and got healed. Just demanded, put a demand on my covenant because y'all wasn't doing me right. And so I kept getting a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. Why? By appealing to the court of heaven, by lawyering up, talking to my advocate, and allowing him to do the work that he has already paid to do in me. Of course I stayed in the word. You don't try to get, you can't get healed watching just stupid television. You've got to devote yourself to the word of God. Proverbs 4.20 says, give it your full attention. He said, son, listen to me. Listen, pay attention to my word. Huh? It's like you go to the doctor and, and God slaps you and says, listen, pay attention to me. Don't listen to what they say. That's not for you. That's for somebody else, but that's not for you. I have something else for you. I have a covenant with you. I have a no-fail covenant with you. Paid for in my blood. I took a whipping for, I took that on my body. Uh, me, myself, I took that sickness away on your behalf. So don't put up with it. And so that's where God meets us, is in the throne room and in, in, in redemption. And then the blood speaks. His blood has a voice. And it speaks you are healed. His blood testifies that he took that for you and it's no longer out there for you to even receive. Well, why don't I feel good? Because you put up with it. Because you put up with it. See, we're going to get to the point where we really believe God. I mean, we really believe him. And we pay the price by, by meditating on the word and, and putting the word on the inside of us. I'm glad to take a word instead of the word instead of a pill. And you see that they, can, they advertise medicine on TV now and the list of side effects is longer than the list of cure. For one symptom you're trying to get rid of, you've got 40 side effects over here. Makes no sense. That ain't right. So he could swear by no greater. He swore by himself saying, surely, surely, without a doubt. That word surely means you can take it to the bank. It's bankable. Surely, without fail, without a doubt. Blessing, I will bless you. Multiplying, I will multiply you. There's your, your financial increase. Your children that you want to have. Marriage is implied there. I'll say more than implied. I would say mandatory. If you're going to get something from God, you've got to live right. Abraham, after he had patiently endured. Everybody wants an instant everything. But sometimes you have to patiently endure. 
patience, not complaining. Patience is not, when am I going to get mine? That's not patience. Well, you know, uh, uh, Prophet Bob, they say faith is now. Huh? Well, yeah, faith doesn't work, but patience does. See, patience waits. Faith don't wait, but patience does. The Bible says through faith and patience, See, faith is weak. It needs a lot of help, folks. Faith can be a little deranged sometimes, too, in certain people. It just depends on who you're working with. You understand what I'm saying? There are people who say they're doing stuff by faith and claiming your stuff. Then claim your husband, your children, none of your bills, though. They faith a little deranged, you know, and in that kind of faith. They don't want to be responsible for nothing, but they want everything. So that's why God says, I marry faith with patience. Faith is now. It does not wait. You can feel it active on the inside of you. It's substance. It's evidence. It's all of those things. But patience waits. Keeps you from going crazy, thinking about when am I going to get it? How am I going to spend it? When, how, can, how big of a garage can I get to put it in? See? Patience takes the derangement out of that. Hmm? Add to your faith patience. Virtue, huh? <laughs> faith needs a lot of help, folks, because it has to fit things into your life that you desire. We don't live a, a crazy life here. We live a planned life and an orderly life, the kind of life that glorifies Jesus Christ, the Lord who brought us. Amen. So God has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Satan will try and deceive us into taking on sickness. And make us believe that somehow we deserve it. Be careful how you process what you hear. You are not deserving of sickness any more than you are deserving of hell. Is your final resting place. Amen. So sickness goes the same route everything else does through the atonement. Your sins have been paid for. Past, present, and future. God knows the sins you're going to commit tomorrow. He knows you're gonna get up, who you're going to get upset with and what you're going to tell them. And for those of you nice people, those of you who are nice people that don't tell people off, huh? you know the ones I'm talking about, the ones who save it up for later. <laughs> I mean, if they have to meet you in a nursing home and roll your wheelchair down the steps. <laughs> <laughs> in retaliation devils is me man they save it up and blast you with it and tell you about 10 years ago 15 years ago all that i'm talking to you nice people you don't tell people off you understand what i'm saying or <laughs> you just wait <laughs> you're patient with your retaliation but god wants to pray for for you you want to come on up if you want to receive impartation so that you can lay hands on the sick, we'll do that as well. If you have symptoms in your body, if you've been diagnosed with something, you feel sick, whatever you want to call it, it ain't right in your body, come on up and we'll pray for you. Well, Howard, you want to put some music on and we'll pray. Maybe Pastor Shirley will take one side, I'll take the other side. <laughs> 